Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible, episode 13. Um, I feel like we should skip it for luck. Um, but uh, this is... This is episode 12 and a 12 half. 12 and a half, like, like in an office, like in a building where they take it out. Um, but uh, no, no, um, this is this is a good one. This is a fun one. So um, as always, I'm Paul Noonan. I write for the Shepherd Express and Acme Packing Company. Uh, my article went up today. Yay. Next to me is... J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I have articles that go up every day. Sweet. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. He, even more than, wait, like like five, ten times, a hundred times more than me. <laughs> yes, but mine are, mo- <laughs> mine are not nearly as thoughtful. Yeah. Mostly just pandering. <laughs> mostly pandering. Sometimes a collection of tweets that does absurdly well. That's that's my brand at this uh, point. Anyway. And my name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Some of them are probably Matt's tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've thrown one at yours on one of my stories yet, but I'm not oh, positive man. of that. <laughs> it's, um, I had, I had, uh. I had some tweets this week that did pretty well. I've only, I, I have not had a lot of tweets. This, that's not true. I had one that did, but I've mostly just been owning people who talked um, smack to me earlier <laughs> this season on on Twitter this week. Um, oh, uh, continuing from last week, where I've been right about the Bears about every single thing that's happened to them this year, um, and uh, now this week I got to be right about all of my Aaron Jones predictions um, when I said. Last year that he was better than Le'Veon Bell when Bell was a free agent and Packer fans were all like, oh, let's sign Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell plus Aaron Rodgers is a Super Bowl. Le'Veon Bell is now terrible. Um, and I was right about that. So, yay. Good good times for me. Paul's been taking victory laps left and yeah. right, Matab. You weren't here last and, week. He is uh, yeah. he is on fire. Oh, I was I was listening last week when you guys were playing Casey and the Sunshine Band as the <laughs> intro music. I didn't even get it. And Casey I, and JoJo is the outro, by the way. Right. I thought it was very bizarrely intimate music choices <laughs> for all my life. And uh, and and what was Casey and the... Oh, Get Down Tonight, right? Casey and the Sunshine Band? Get Down Tonight. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, then, down tonight. and I'll Make Love to You, yeah. which... Fair point. Um. Oddly <laughs> intimate choices, uh, and uh, and then I got it. The KC reference yes. in Kansas City Chiefs. Very clever. The music is always something like that. So. Too clever. So for me. I I do got to say, watching Paul get in arguments with Bears fans and Ben Baldwin has just been <laughs> joyous. Like uh, Ben's got to back off. He's starting. Well, he's he's way past this now. He's he's through the through the looking glass um, on. Uh, his not his his dislike of Aaron Rodgers has now taken him into bad analysis land. Baylesian. Yeah, he needs to bring it back. Bayless, yes, like that. Um, so this is, I mean, this is the kind of thing that in my previous YouTube show I would look at. However, I, I guess I never really talked about it this year. The reason I haven't been doing hottest take of the week is Ben Simmons took my freaking idea and turned it into a <laughs> podcast. Oh. And so my <laughs> SE my SEO is shot. Is this so like no when Shannon Sullivan stole your tweet, or this yeah. is this so, is an idea that he had first in September, mid September? Uh, it's Ben Simmons, right? The the short Patriots fan who's really annoying. Who's or the I, I, Bill? Bill Simmons, yes. Yeah, oh, Bill! Bill, oh, Bill Simmons Bill stole S- your idea. Bill Simmons has a uh, podcast that started this September called The Hottest Take. Yeah, I really, uh, I really do enjoy it. It's not easily accessible through Apple Podcasts, which is a problem, but it is enjoyable. Well, it it completely murdered my SEO with a shovel. I suppose it would. Yeah, Bill, <laughs> Bill, whatever he touches turns to gold. So, so, um, um, yeah, uh, this is the kind of thing I would roast. Like people, this is the year of people hitching their wagons to a take to a fault. Yeah, absolutely. You so, feel like that's this year? I feel like that's the last several years. Yeah. And just just for people who don't know, Ben Baldwin writes for The Athletic. We've mentioned him a ton of times on here because he's a big analytics guy, and he's a big touter of EPA, and above, a bunch of things that are useful, but he really dislikes people overrating Aaron Rodgers a lot. Like, 
Um, it's his thing. It, he made it his thing. And so every stat he comes up with, the focus of it is to, in his mind, properly quantify Aaron Rodgers as not like one of the five best quarterbacks. And it started innocently enough because Aaron Rodgers hasn't been that great till this year for you know a few years now. But like, you gotta gotta take new facts in here, guy. <laughs> um, so the underthrow to Jimmy Graham that was almost intercepted. Yes, um, Ben uh, like gifted it and said something along the lines of like, Aaron's receivers are dropping passes, dropping passes and, left and right. Yeah. Yeah, so when when Rodgers made the amazing throw to Jones in the corner of the end zone that looked like a throwaway, I tweeted, hey, Ben Baldwin, jiff that throw, you pompous douche. That is true. uh, Did he block you? He, as of right now, did not. That's a very generous of Ben. So I've been getting on him all week more subtly than that. Um, Fair enough. However, he did subtweet me, I I will say. All right. He was like, to the people adding me about this throw, blah, 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 whatever. (laughs) But I'll... All of his stats have Rodgers like 10th or 12th or something like that. And today he tweeted he was worse than Jimmy Garoppolo or like about as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and that's, I mean, that's ridiculous. If You don't need stats of any kind to tell you that Aaron Rodgers had a better season than Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo's got seven interceptions. He has a lower yards per attempt. So he throws the ball less far, less and more dangerously. He's completed minimally more passes than Rodgers. It's a dumb thing to say. When you say something that dumb, you should go back and look at your stat that you made up because it's probably wrong. Um, what are uh, sorry to interrupt? What are ELO points? Evil woman. Um, so I'm ELO? looking at 538 quarterback like ratings right now, uh-huh. and 538 has Rodgers head and shoulders above Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, it in, should in, in whatever this ELO rating is. I don't know actually what that one's made up of, um, but that sounds like the DVOA split about. So it's probably similar to that. Um, so uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, two thirty three, which puts him above Dak Prescott. It puts him above Tom Brady. Wow. Okay. But, well, uh, above Brady, that's totally legit. Above Prescott, that's kind of surprising though. Um, it, slightly. Prescott's a two twenty three. Okay. It ties him with Deshaun Watson. It puts him slightly below Patrick Mahomes. Um, slightly above, very slightly above Drew Brees. All right. And uh, almost twice as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. So the Packers beat the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 24 this week. <laughs> no, guys, stats. We're here to talk about stats uh, and only stats. Dumb football brain chiming in here. Uh-huh. I, but let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. His throw to Jamal Williams, like you're talking about, is, is very, <laughs> very, very good. Do, do, uh, do we think it was to Jimmy? Uh, I believe it was not. Okay. I, I believe Fair him enough. when there was some sort of like last second adjustment. You look at the trajectory of the ball, and I mean, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is pretty good at completely throwing the way, away the ball when he wants to completely throw away the ball. That ball was not completely thrown away. That's a fair point. Um, I do think it was completely th- thrown away if you don't think Williams is there. Like it, it's it is a only Graham or nobody catch, um, except not obviously because it was caught. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but but even if you don't think Jamal Williams is there, you s- you've got to see the Kansas City defender that's, who's screening you. That's true. You got to be afraid of that. Yeah. Well, I, what was the Rogers' exact quote on it? Was uh, he saw Jimmy and quote someone else? Someone else. Yes. <laughs> and he said the that mystery if Jimmy candidate. Get it, yeah, he's like if Jimmy couldn't get it, the other guy might. <laughs> Fair enough. He's got to know who that guy if is. If it was to Jimmy, it's the second time that's happened this year because he also hit a touchdown to Geronimo Allison that he threw to Jimmy, in, I think the first game, uh, second game. He did, yeah. Um, well, also remember last year, the the long touchdown to Bob Tunyon, he thought Tunyon was Jimmy. He thought Tunyon was Jimmy, that's right. Uh, 
This is a, it was a very <laughs> so, similar touchdown throw to one he had to Devontae Adams against Jacksonville, where he was getting dragged down and he managed somehow with a weird angle to like uncork <coughs> this perfect pass that only one human being could ca- could catch. Um, we when we talked about him at the beginning of the year, Aaron Rodgers, we were da- you were down on him. Yep, and a lot of a lot of people were, and and rightfully was. Uh, was it was it like right away? I, I don't remember. You know, we've been talking about how great he's been for a while now. Obviously, at the perfect quarterback rating against Oakland, this is not like this is not like his coming out party by any means. Was was it clear immediately? I don't really remember the first couple games of the season. If we were like, yeah, Aaron is pretty limited now. Definitely not the first game. Like the the Bears were the first game they played a very good defensive game against him. He did not look great. Um, the offense. That's the one where they came out red hot with the script, and then it all went to heck after that. Um, so it took a while. Um, I, I think it really took him getting like half of his game plan in, and then it was all go from there. Um, but like ever since the Lafleur offense has been like totally Im- implemented, he's looked really good. Like I, I, I don't think we can consider it a fluke anymore. Well, it, I think it was was it the Broncos game when we started seeing him having fun. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I think I think that's that to me was like like whenever you see Aaron having fun. That's when you know he knows he's doing well. Yep. Even in that one, I think there were still some like play calling, like getting it in on time kind of issues and some mad time out. But you're right. Um, he did look like he was having a pretty good time in that one. Yep. Kurt Hogue, my colleague, ranked his 20 best. Well, he ranked every touchdown pass <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers has ever thrown before this season. He ranked the top 20, kind of broke out the top 20. Uh, I'll give you a sense of what the top five are, and then we'll decide if this one, and I think probably need to, we, that's why we need to define if it was, actually to jamal williams okay, because otherwise it's you know otherwise it's an accident sure but let's uh, assume it was to jamal williams for purposes of this and sure that throws just a drop in the bucket to a second um string running back in the back corner <laughs> of the end zone which <laughs> well, is incredible it like that uh number one was a touchdown he threw to greg jennings uh, in the super, in the super bowl, bowl. yeah high profile throw. it was a good throw it wasn't maybe as <clears throat> eye-popping as some of these others in terms of like spot, like no one else could catch it, but it was still a very good throw. Yeah, uh, over the middle of the field there. Uh, number two is the Jeff Janis touchdown in the divisional <laughs> round against the Cardinals, forty-one <laughs> yards, basically back-to-back hail marys. Number three is the hail mary, sixty-one yards to Richard Rodgers against Detroit. Obviously, that's probably his most high-profile touchdown. Number four is the touchdown he threw to Je- uh, Adams, twenty sixteen week one against Jacksonville. What I just described, it was just a crazy act i mean and and adams was falling and being <laughs> interfered with in the process it was crazy number five was a, a crazy one yard pass to Corey hall in 2008 a crazy one yard pass to Corey yeah, hall in I 2008 right yeah i know i don't think people are really going to remember this but this was you know this is obviously that very was early that was roger's his... first touchdown pass as a starter yes uh, that's correct that's okay. correct and so it was a some... crazy crazy throw it was like a no look sidearm through three defenders it was cuckoo bananas Yes. All right. I'm playing the audio here. <laughs> it it was a far flight throw. I mean, I don't I don't have any idea how Corey Hall caught that ball of all people. Corey Hall, who has caught one touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers, and it was this very one. Uh, his first one as a starter, wild diving catch. I think this this touchdown, given the stage, given the fact that we're talking about the Chiefs on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football, definitely rises above that one. I think there's an argument that it is his fourth greatest touchdown pass. I, I think that's legit. Um, so. I, I, I will say that Kurt, throughout the article, uses uh, tweets from Dusty Evely, one of my friends Indeed. from from uh, uh, originally from Packaday. He and I got together. I, 
I love that dude. And Dusty saved him, on- him because if we go behind the curtain just a little bit, yeah. Kurt had gifts of all of these touchdowns, and then we decided that might not be strictly legal, mm-hmm. um, even though others do it. The Athletic does it a lot, but we didn't. Company policy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Dusty, thankfully, is somebody who has cataloged these, and he was able to retrieve almost every single one through Dusty. So, thanks, Dusty. So, and, and the reason that Dusty can call these back is I introduced him to Moments back when Moments first became a thing, and I was like, "Hey, man, like you need to turn all your Rogers threads into a moment." And so, sure enough, you can you find do. every. Yep. If you go to at uh, Dusty Evely on Twitter and go to his Moments, there's something called the Rogers thread. <laughs> Just, it it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Watch, watch all of them, and just it's it's just, just wow. bask in the glow. Yeah, uh, I actually am going to do that. Maybe not while we're talking. Maybe not. <laughs> but, but maybe we maybe just maybe lost so. Jr. for the yeah. evening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's seriously incredible. But I do think this is a top five touchdown pass. It, I it's great. I, I did assemble a bunch of tweets in the moment. It did extremely well. People were just jazzed about this touchdown pass, and it gave them the lead. They didn't they didn't hold the lead, but then of course. Our Lord and Savior Aaron Jones with a touchdown to give um, give the Packers the decisive points. Yes, and um, so this whole game on Aaron Jones, who was fantastic and had, I think, the best receiving running back Packer game in history. There. Um, oh, really? I didn't even think of that. Uh, I, it was it was the second best receiving game by a uh, running back that involved the Packers ever. Yeah, so I, I, that's that is true. I can tell you they were in the this game was in the DV, the Football Outsiders DVOA quick reads today and they were specifically targeting it because it was the highest um, advanced at DYAR game for a running back um, since for for the last 3 years which was a oh shoot, I forgot who had it. I think it was a Chief. I think it was um, one of the many chief, good chief running backs. CJ2K, buddy. It was CJ. It was Chris Johnson. And then you have to go back to 2004 before that to Brian Westbrook on the Eagles to get anyone that's higher. And so. this from the second best pass catching running back on this roster. That's right. Uh, so uh, this begs the question, first of all, like why didn't McCarthy do this? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a question we've asked a lot this year, isn't yeah. it? Aaron Jones could not run slant flat. Yeah. <laughs> I think he probably could have, because <laughs> <laughs> anybody can run that. Um, I think it really is a, a huge, like, this is a McCarthy weakness. He likes to throw his stuff, and he doesn't adjust. And you've got this running back who, who was not a huge receiving threat in college, but um, he was scouted as a receiving threat. He had pretty good receiving numbers. He, he showed good technique doing downfield over-the-shoulder things and just never showed up and everybody was like well maybe he can't actually it's college and he was playing like against scrubs in a bad conference and but no as it turns out mike mccarthy just decided not to do it um so um aaron jones is as good as college looked and that game was phenomenal he caught every kind of pass possible he made yak he caught bombs um he almost had another giant touchdown where he stepped out just by a hair um and yeah, like Williams again, still good. Made that unbelievable catch. They're both top ten receiving uh, DVOA backs now, and like th- this is Lafleur in a nutshell. Like he gets weapons um, where they'll be effective, and it can be anybody at this point. Everybody's been good. It, it's it's incredible. 
I need something. I need you guys to help me with something. Yep. Because one thing I love to do is make lists at the end of the year. I like to make lists all year long, but especially at the end of the year, ranking, uh, having different categories that I rank. And I rank one of the things as best individual performance Okay. Uh, throughout the course of the year. So like Christian Yelch hitting three home runs and giving a family a puppy beforehand is definitely high, high on the list. Tough very, to very good. So uh, if I had to choose an Aaron Jones performance, what do I do here? Because you've got... The 4TD. Well, right against the Cowboys. That's that's uh, nineteen rushes, hundred and seven yards only, but four touchdowns plus seven catches for seventy five yards. And then there's this game where he catches <laughs> seven for one hundred and fifty nine yards and two touchdowns, rushing sixty seven yards. Clearly more overall yardage, overall production, but yeah. oh, four touchdowns against think, the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys game is a more impressive game. In he put the team on his back and, and the, he was, I, I kind of hate this term, but I use it all the time. Uh, he was the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> <laughs> and he waved um, goodbye too. So there's an even you iconic have, moment you have the that iconic goes moment with it. There. You have the t-shirt yeah, and moment that's, there. Well, isn't that, what do they call that in college? That's the Heisman moment. Yep. Heisman like, moment. Heisman moment. I actually, yeah. I think I like the chiefs game a little bit better. Um, he, his rushing wasn't flashy, but he didn't lose yards on any carry. And, uh, he had nine successful runs. I know that. Um, and and just the receiving was so dynamic. It, I know he didn't have the wave goodbye moment, but the, just the last pass to him where they singled him up on a linebacker. And even the announcers are like, well, well they're going to throw it to him. He's singled up on a linebacker. Yeah. Col- <laughs> and, well, Collinsworth straight up goes, look, he's split out. There's a linebacker. Watch the out route. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's not like Tony Romo being like, oh, oh look, it's, it's a good play design. It's like, well, they're going to do that right now. <laughs> and they did. So, um, and then I love the burst at the end too. I, I, I mean, yep. I know he's fast, but to see him just like gain ground on all, or, so, you know, just make that separation was really so special. Famously, Aaron Jones is uh, mediocrely fast, but he's incredibly quick. Yep, that's true. His his ten yard split is elite in the forty, but his forty is mediocre. His I, I had so many agility, people tell tell me like, oh, that slow guy, how can he ever be any good? Like, why well, do we still talk about forty time? Why does that matter? It, not so for running the, backs. Do you know the the story of how the forty became a metric? Tell me now. Ooh, no. Um, the forty originally became a scouting metric because that's how far punts used to be on average, and that's they wanted to know how, if someone could cover a punt in the amount of time that it would take for the hang time. So it was invented as not pertinent to anything that we use it for today. Correct. All right. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. Um, um, I thought a lot it, of I, a lot of the combine testing. Outside of that comes from Todd Marinovich's dad, who is insane. <laughs> I remember Todd Marinovich's dad, and He's yeah, he very was. memorable sports dad. Yes, he, yeah. he, he He's is the most memorable. What, sports one, dad. Of, one of the true pioneers, one of the seminal <laughs> sports dads of the last like forty years. <laughs> he built the helicopter for helicopter parenting. So uh, he also came up with a lot of the athletic testing for the combine. So. Jeez, fascinating! I uh, did not know that. Nope, did not know that either. It makes a lot of sense though. Um, but yeah, forty is stupid, especially for running backs. Right, wide receivers make at least like a little tiny bit of sense. But if you look, Aaron Jones spider chart is like, I'm the greatest athlete ever, but I'm a little tiny bit slow at running this specific yeah. distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, we were talking because Usain Bolt made some comments that he would love to play in the NFL and and uh, New England or Green Bay are his only two preferred destinations. And, <laughs> you know, it's good for a laugh. But like one person pointed this out, and it, it sticks with me. He's actually not all that fast relative to the guys he's been running against coming off the starting block. So like his initial burst isn't that, isn't that impressive. I mean, it's impressive. It's but a like, good point though. Like he, I, I mean, obviously all of these people are very fast, but he doesn't like blow guys away off the line. He blows guys away like 
after, 50 yards after, in. Yeah. Right. So what good would that be on a, on a football field? It's all about getting an immediate separation. That might not be yeah. his skill. I don't know. Well, so, okay. Uh, there was a, there was a sprinter who he, I think he runs for Tennessee. He ran the 40 after specifically training for it. And he was a starting block specialist. He's shorter. He doesn't have a long gait. Um, his 40 time, I think was like, it was like four one Oh, um, so is that more impressive, or is Don Beebe's four point two with san- wearing sandals in a gym more impressive? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think four one zero. I mean, that's an unprecedented yeah. speed yeah. that we've never seen before. <laughs> um, it's like sound barriers. Anyway, you have two good Jones choices, and either one of them are fine. Um, I think this game, just because of how surprising it was, too, was just really impressive. <laughs> I mean, so we were talking about Paul and I were talking about this with. Uh, Acme Packing Company Managing Editor, Tex Western. Uh, what's more impressive about Jones against the Chiefs? His running at the end of the game or his gaudy stats? I was definitely going to bring up the running at the end of the game. And and good on the Packers for... Because really early, and I think Collinsworth made this point, they weren't really attacking the run defense, and the Chiefs do have a bad run defense. That's true. Um, one of the reasons they weren't, and this is credit to LaFleur, is because the Chiefs were actually putting a pretty heavy defense out there a lot of the time which is why they were able to single him up on a linebacker in coverage. Um, normally, you know, you, you would like a safety on that, that, sh- that faster running back, and they couldn't do it. So um, part of that was an adjustment from Kansas City's defense, and part of that was Lafleur adjusting back and, and not falling into the trap of just pounding it up the middle against a heavier set defense. Interesting. Also, did you guys notice that Rodgers called an uh, obvious audible against a defense that gave him a running look? No. Yeah, there was a there was a time when they needed two yards, and uh, the Kansas was in. It was either a nickel or a dime look, and Rodgers called an audible by uh, putting his yeah, hands on his, his head. Oh yeah, and screaming, which was uh, went to a it was to a dive, and they got the first yeah, down. That so was, was Rodgers audibling. Hey, he's allowed story. to. All right, big story. We have confirmation <laughs> that he audibled. <laughs> and that was him audibling to what yeah. the defense gave him. And, and by the way, uh, Kansas City went heavier against, I think it was Cleveland they played last, um, and actually shut their run down pretty well. Cleveland is obviously terrible. But uh, there was reason for LaFleur to prepare for this. And uh, he did what he... This was like quintessential of what you expect out of him, like the Shanahan. Like, we, we, got, we got personnel out there. If they line up to stop run, we'll pass. And our guys will just do that no matter what positions they play. That, that's what they did, and it worked so well. And Aaron Jones looked so good at the end of the game, just pounding away, chewing yep. up yardage. I mean, he had a head of steam. He was not going to be stopped for less than five yards of carry. Nope, that, that punt really doomed them. It was such a dumb punt. Um, it was one of the the most surrender the, index oh, yeah. heavy punts. Yes, of if the you year. don't follow oh, the surrender index. index on Twitter, you should follow the surrender index on Twitter. It tells you <laughs> how cowardly a punt is, um, mathematically speaking. <laughs> so there are there are. We should clarify, there are two different Surrender Index Twitter accounts. Oh, okay. Um, there's Surrender Index, and then there's Surrender Index 90, which only ever tweets out punts that are over the 90th percentile of Surrender Index. Oh, I, only, I guess I only follow that one. Oh, so I, I only there are two. Th- there's one that, that right. does like every punt that's... I, that's I only get even. the 90% ones, so... <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I love it. Yes, that was a, a strange choice. Surrender Index thinks so as well. 
what was it, three minutes and change, or was it was it even more? No, than it was that? five. It was five, five and change. It was five minutes. They I, I mean, that is impressive yeah. to think that they're that Aaron How? Jones almost single handedly yeah. chewed up five minutes, and then they make, of course, the big pass on third down to ice the game. Yep. But still, I know I've seen it happen before, like once or twice. But it's so rare for you to actually run the run the clock out. Like it just doesn't happen that yeah, much. Yeah, you're right. Usually you run the usually you run the ball twice. They're ready for it. They stop you and you punt, and it's an exciting game. Like you don't just just grind it out like that that was super impressive I, I think that is probably more impressive running against the run stopping front he was great i he think was just so good i think i've been swayed that the chiefs game is more impressive than the cowboys game i think that's where that's what i'm at for aaron jones <laughs> i think i think if we if we were to isolate like one drive that was the game ending drive is the most impressive drive i've seen by a running back in a long time um, but i think as a whole I, I still take the dallas game that's fair they're both awesome i mean can't go wrong it's Oh man, I love that we get to argue over which all-world performance was better by our, by awesome our running, running back. back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go on a little bit of a rant okay. about uh, Matt Lafleur at halftime. Several several people were saying he was outcoached by Andy Reid, which on its surface is not even like that big of a diss. No, because, Andy Reid's awesome, right? And we talked about that on and the coached show. a great game, by the way. He did, yes. So like getting outcoached if you're a rookie, thirty-nine year old coach to Andy Reid, not a problem. But people use outcoached so often, and it drives me nuts. And I, I don't believe. Now we could do a Twitter search, and maybe, maybe, maybe I have used outcoached, but that you, most people, most average people, me, people like me, do not know what goes into what intricacies go into the coaching aspect of it. They do not know. I think they say outcoached, meaning they're getting beaten. You know, it, it doesn't That's have anything to do with yeah. scheme. It doesn't have anything to do with the right personnel or anything. It's just, oh, we're losing. We got outcoached. It's such an easy, lazy thing. And the vast majority of people could not point to schematically what it was that one coach did. I realize you guys probably could do this. You, you too. <laughs> but very difficult for the average person to point out what one coach did schematically that was not countered by the other team. Like, you got to be pretty specific if you're going to say well, outcoached. I, I, think, I think the average person could point at the first half and say that Mike Pettin was outcoached by Andy Reid definitively. Andy Reid was eating Pettin's lunch. I think that's fair. Um, I, I, and I think that's true. I also think Pettin adjusted very well at halftime. And, he absolutely and did. pitched a but really I'm good second half, half defense. But yeah. Um, so I, th- I have a really good example of this, of, of why it's more complicated. Because um, I, I definitely see people talking about Matt Nagy this year, who's the Bears coach, as being outcoached consistently. And I think Matt Nagy's a pretty good coach. And I think he coaches to what he understands his personnel to be. Um, a lot of what the Bears do is based on the limitations of their offensive personnel. And uh, there's just, like, people call for them to run more. Well, other teams kind of expect and want them to run more um, uh, and line up to stop it because they want to make Trubisky throw. Um, also pointed out to me today, Trubisky's probably hurt. Um, last year he he ran a ton. This year he's... Last year he ran for 29 first downs for the season. This year he's run for two. Um, he apparently has a hip injury. It really hurts him a lot. So, so like Matt Nagy didn't get dumb from last year to this year. He has a quarterback who can't move as well, who's kind of bad, um, a worse offensive line. It took Jordan Howard away, um, and there's just only so much you can do with limited personnel. So, a lot of getting out coached is that. Now, there are What's the famous the, yeah. the famous line about you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit? Yeah, well, th- th- that's, that's a that's the bears a, a, a ribald version of a different saying, but yes, um, a what ribald? I don't know what that means. It means dirty. I that's actually it. do not know what that means either. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. I Man. cannot verify your vocabulary at this time. That's you fine. guys and your five dollar words. It means it, it, it <laughs> means it means you said a dirty version of what is otherwise a clean saying. 
Oh, like you can't okay. you can't make silk oh, purse out of a sour That's actually a really ear. good word. I don't it's, think there's a comparable, you know, an other a better vocabulary word for that. I like it. <laughs> I like it because <laughs> no, that it, happens it, a lot. You know, into yeah. you know you in, you I don't know intimates the wrong word. Yes, here, but uh, people you know mess with the language to make it make it sound dirty. I uh-huh. like it. that's the but that's the only version of that phrase that I know. What was the what's the original? You you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Oh, a sow's ear. Yes. Well, I don't hang out with a lot of farmers. Uh, so. Well, n- nobody does anymore, but <laughs> everybody used to all the time because everybody's a farmer. Uh, but yeah, so like the outcoach thing, it's it's just kind of a misnomer. It's something people like to say in the same way that like where someone on Twitter will be ranting at you and saying, watch the film. It's obvious. I hate like, that. And it's like, you don't watch the film. You're just saying I've words. definitely watched more film than you, person. <laughs> so I can tell Listen, you like... Any, Listen here, Pace is the GOAT 6969XX. <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> I do remember a game when um, the Lions had Indomitian Suh and Nick Fairley and a bunch of other big guys, and they were the best team against the run in the NFL. And McCarthy went in there, and he ran. The, he had an even split run pass, and the Packers lost like 20-17. to 17. And it wasn't like he was running late with a lead. It was all early. It was definitely for balance. He had a quote later that he wanted to maintain balance. And they averaged like two yards a carry. He got outcoached in that game. He was an idiot in that game. So it does happen. Um, but most of the time when people say that, it's like somebody gambled when and it didn't pay off, but it wasn't necessarily bad. or uh, It's it's just a, a catch-all for there was some random call that I didn't agree with for whatever reason. Well, I'll tell you this. There were Eagles fans that absolutely called that Andy Reid was going to bungle the end of the game. Okay. Were, and Andy they- Reid does do that. So... <laughs> It's not his forte. He's good at calling offensive plays. His plays are good. He is not good at late clock management. Yeah. So when there's, as soon as there's six minutes left in the game, you just take away his clipboard. <laughs> he doesn't get the coach for that. <laughs> but at the same time, we just said it's really rare for a team to chew five minutes and thirty-one seconds. It, With the team at all three timeouts, it like, is. But but you are you are pretty easily gaining against a Packers defense, and you just got to get three yards. Yeah, that I didn't. It understand. was a it was a very unaggressive and not good call by Reed, and he does that. Like you you gotta you gotta take your best shot there. You can't do that. I mean. Maybe the Packers weren't going to run out five minutes, but you're still giving them the ball. They could have scored too. That's the other thing that could have happened. And then you're in also dire straits. So I don't know. Money for nothing, man. Yep. Bad job by Andy <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Called a good game for Matt Moore, but that bad job at the end. Do we think this game ends differently if Patrick Mahomes is uh, Mahomes is the quarterback? I do. You think that I was think, the difference? Because, I, I mean, it's not that, obviously he played to the game plan great. Matt Moore was solid, you know? He yeah, was what but, they asked him to do. Uh, so, yeah. But first thing is, let, let's not overthink this. Patrick Mahomes is like, I don't know. Incredible. 25 times better than Matt Moore. Sure. Um, more than that. And, you know, they're just going to have a better offense with him. Secondly, like Matt Moore's deficiencies were a big part of why the Packers got better in the second half, um, which... which was uh it was a weird game like Petten's weird i don't always like it but um they forced the 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 chiefs only had four possessions in the second half i think it was just four one was the shady fumble two punts and then they scored the touchdown off of that tremont williams hands to the face penalty which should have only been a field goal because that was yes he did put his hands on his face but it was very ticky tacky um and that should have not been a touchdown anytime that there's that there is receiver initiated contact within five yards yeah you should be forgiven um, but like 
Moore's limitations became pretty clear that he wasn't going to beat them deep. And so they started daring him to do it. And that's why they got better at tackling near the line of scrimmage. Uh, they were just stretched out in the first half, and there was space for guys to run in. Second half, that space kind of evaporated, and the Chiefs' good athletes caught it and got tackled. Um, they forced Matt into some bad throws. Mahomes, if he's there, like he keeps stretching that defense out. He can still hit bombs and short stuff and scramble. Um, that's a totally different uh, second half, I think. The so, Chiefs still score a lot. Fu- it's funny. Even my non-football-watching wife, understood that there was something weird about the Packers defense in the beginning. She's like, why are those guys all the way back there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I pointed at Tyreek Hill and I went because of him. And that's the thing. Like eventually they decided, well, we'll just gamble with that. And if he beats us, so be it, which is how you should play against them. Yep. And there's actually, Oh my God, there's this, like as much as we, we crap on Petten a lot, he sometimes pulls magic out of his butt. And there's this amazing, <laughs> uh, bluffed blitz, where he's he lines up five on the line of scrimmage and shows pressure from Savage and uh, pulls two away. So it ends up being a three-man rush where Savage still comes in untouched and more airmails a pass to Kelsey in the end zone. Do you guys... So, oh, I'll keep going. I'm sorry. But like with without having to play... I mean, granted, they're in the red zone, so too deep isn't really a thing. But Petten getting to be uh, creative in his blitzing in the second half, I think, was also a big... Uh, help do you guys uh, are you I familiar agree. with virtual insanity by jamiroquai yes uh, i would argue it's the greatest music video of all time okay so you are familiar with it so i'm surprised <laughs> actually i wasn't sure uh that's how tyreek hill moves on a on a moving conveyor belt. <laughs> it kind of is it's just not po- like his feet don't move and he moves it's like he's swimming it's it's in- it's incredible watching him even move backwards is incredible have you it have is. you ever uh have you ever seen the 30 for 30, the greatest, is it the greatest player who never played or the greatest player who never was? It's about Marcus Dupree running back. Yeah, I th- oh, yeah. think We'd, so. We actually talked about Marcus Dupree earlier on this podcast. What? Uh, yeah, because I didn't know who he was. So, Oh. And then you guys told me. So, Okay. Oh, well, he he is, imagine if you stretched out Tyreek Hill where he just glides. Like there's something like yeah. you, and it's, or, or like, like Randy Moss in college when he wore those long white socks, like it didn't look like he was moving that fast, but then he would just like disappear <laughs> man that that is, is, oh by the way real, real quick that was the worst flea flicker ever um you, you, <laughs> you can't it wasn't good you can't run a flea flicker that close to the end zone um it does not work and now we've proven it so let's not well, do it again paul they read the tweets man when you're over there like <laughs> like hey Packers so, should try a yeah, flea we, that, we talked about it last time like there should be more flea flickers but they should not be 20 yards from the end zone <laughs> so oh uh, man I, no, go ahead. I personally, I, I enjoyed my take. I know I enjoy all my own takes, but uh, I said it's uh, running a flea flicker when you can't block a doorway is very brave. Also true. Um, hold on one second. Jared's looking there's at some, something. There's some bizarreness going on in the World Series game, but I, I don't know what it is. Um, okay, so I, I mentioned, is it different with Mahomes? Because there are some qualifiers on this game. Obviously, the big one is Patrick Mahomes did not play. The other one is that they were woefully depleted. The Chiefs were on both lines. You know, they were missing at least two guys by the end of the game, at least two guys on both sides. Yeah. So that is something to take note of. And the other thing that's kind of a bummer is that as good as the Packers have been, seven and one, there's still two other teams in the NFC that are technically better than them when the Niners and the Saints, Saints are also seven and one, but uh, I believe would have the tiebreaker if the, if the season magically ended today. And... <coughs> There's there's still the Seahawks in there. Yeah, there's yeah. still the Vikings. I know the Packers have beaten the Vikings, so we don't think about them. But the NFC is stacked, fam. And the Packers, 
I don't I don't feel like they're a front runner of any kind. I still feel like this is I mean, I personally don't see this team still as like a Super Bowl team or anything. I think that they they could get to that point. I, I could see it happening, but it's just uh it's it's kind of it's kind of a bummer. They're just there are these other teams that are in the <laughs> way. So it, it sort of mitigates how I feel about this if whole thing. If they played in the AFC East, it would be all over already and we would just be gearing up for the playoff run. But you're right. Um, they're not even close to being assured of a first round bye, and they have one loss, which is ridiculous. Um, and those other teams, <laughs> I think, are good. Um, the the Saints look like they're good even without Drew Brees on the team, and the Forty ers I, I don't even know what to make of them. Um, they their their numbers are outstanding. They're, I think they're second in points allowed and scored, and I don't understand how that happens. I haven't not watched them play that much. I really should. I kind of buy their defense. Their defense appears to be the, quite good. Their defense is the truth. Yeah, they have a pretty good running game, and Jimmy Garoppolo isn't awful. So it yeah, produces a great it's team. Fine, it's kind of like the Bears last year. Um, yes, exactly. So you know, but that's better. That's good, and we'll we'll get to play against them and see how good they really are. Um, they appear to be quite good. I'm not. That didn't mean to be an aspersion on them, <laughs> but uh, it is a bummer. Like they, this is a stacked conference, and. Um, the Packers also, what looked like a kind of an easy schedule when the season started, yeah. as it always does, ended up not being an easy schedule at all. Um, they have the 49ers, which looked like a cupcake earlier, that like is not a cupcake at all. Um, and it ended up with the Chiefs here, and um, they get to play the, the Vikings, who have turned it around quite a bit. Um, I, I forget who's on the back end of the schedule. Yeah, it's Vikings-Lions to close the season. Like, and and they're at home against the Bears, but they also still and the Giants are probably still easy. So the, the Giants aren't uh, are better than they were. That's the thing, right? Like, the Giants should be one of the worst teams in football. They decided to actually go with their young quarterback. That helps them a lot. They've they're still a dumb team um, run by idiots, but they're a better dumb team than they were before. So uh, yeah, and I mean Washington probably is a free win, but the Chargers, the Chargers. Are, I mean they've only Stupid lost all their Chargers. games by one like, score. They're just not that bad. They're like they can jump up and beat anybody. They're just you just gotta hope that they do their normal thing and self. Right, but we've been so the the Chargers have quote unquote played up to their competition for the last four years. Like they they yeah will, that's true. They're they're. What well, is considered the Lions of the AFC? They should be that good. They're... That there's no reason they need to play up up to anybody. They they should be good. They have a good quarterback. They've been blessed with like consistently like the greatest tight end of all time or the greatest running back of all time. Not all time, but one of the best running backs of the last a top five. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Keenan yeah. Allen is amazing. I don't care what anyone says. He is. So like <laughs> this is a team that should should be much better than it is all the time. Instead so, but play up goes both ways. They also play down to their, yeah. their competition. If they're playing a bad team, they play terribly. Yes. And they're, they're, they are one of the most injured teams like ever. It, there's no regression for them. They get hurt every year. Um, I don't know if firing trading staffs would help, but uh, I certainly would have by now. Um, uh, like that franchise, I find the chargers to be annoying. <laughs> um, j- just how much they shoot themselves in the foot and, and they just get bailed out by luck. Um, and stay competitive. Like they gave away Drew Brees, and and what happens? You get Philip Rivers just falling into your lap. Okay, good for you. They, <laughs> they're. they're well, I mean, technically, they wanted Eli Manning. Uh, well, I know that's almost worse because Eli Manning <laughs> is worse than Philip Rivers. Yeah. So like they were, they gave away like one of the best quarterbacks ever. They ended up with one of the best quarterbacks, not as good as Drew Brees, but kind of ever. They wanted a worse quarterback. They got a super great running back, also accidentally because of that. <laughs> like that team, that team is stupid and dumb, and I don't like them. I remember well, Dem- Demarius oh, ahead, Randall sorry. making a catch to save 
the Packers bacon against the Chargers a few years back against Lam- at Lambeau. The throwback, the throwback game, yeah. That's right, like yeah. throwback uniforms, that's right. Sorry, what were you going to say before? Also, I think they're the, the most boring team ever to play in a Super Bowl, which I also don't like. Um, which, see, nobody even remembers it. Oh, wait, 98? I think it was 98. Stan Humphreys was the I feel the like quarterback. San Francisco, yeah. William Floyd Yeah, it was San Francisco, it was Steve Young's. Um, it was the Stan Humphreys, Natrone Means Chargers team. Did any of those Fouts, Kellen Winslow's team, did they play in the Super Bowl at all? No. No. Yeah, they, they might be oh, the wait, one. No, didn't, didn't Fouts get the crap kicked out of him in a Super Bowl? I have no idea. That's before my time. Yeah, yeah we're, we're but I do know that, that the Phillip Rivers and uh, LT Chargers are probably the best team to never make a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think so. Well, they're certainly up there. Well, they were they were historically great on offense and defense, mm-hmm. and one of the worst special teams teams of all time. And it turns out there are three phases there of are. a football game. And if you're really bad at that last one, it hurts you a lot. Which we all know because we all tweet Fire Zook every <laughs> week. Even though he's not on the team anymore. Have Have you guys noticed that uh, the Packers kickoff team consistently gets mortar kicks and they're forced to return the ball? Not anymore, because Darius Shepard is gone. <laughs> he is gone. He was cut. Yeah. Yeah. Trade deadline came and went. No changes in yep. terms of trades, but the Packers have moved on. Well, they've released Evan Bayless and released Darius Shepard. Yes. They've added Tremont Smith back. back to the kick returning game and and. No, no word on the other corresponding move. Although there's tons of people being released right now, so they probably are just taking their time. There's also guys to reactivate from IR, um, and Stern, yeah. Sternberger's back pretty soon. Or Campbell, Sternberger, Sternberger. Campbell. Sternberger. <laughs> That's only funny to you. Um, I do well, like Irma. We Gard. had to talk about a meme. Also, Andy Schaff. Andy Schaff. Oh, yeah. uh, before we move on, I think to, it, oh shoot, Andy had a question. You talk, I'll look it up. Okay. Before we move on to numbers, questions, whatever else is on our docket here, a lot of people criticizing the Packers for bad tackling. We talked about how Kansas City moves like no other offense. I honestly didn't think the tackling was even that bad. I think sometimes people just assume that. Yeah, this you, is one where I think you just got to chalk it up to Kansas City is just good. Like they have just a whole bunch of really good skill position players that are hard to tackle and super fast. Some that was that was not a bad game by the defense at all. Well, also a lot of the missed tackles were Kevin King, who's not known for being the best form tackler. Also true. Yeah, he is struggling at tackling. Yeah. What about Blake Martinez? What do we think about Blake Martinez? Because he's he, Blake Martinez is AJ Hawk just drafted later. I feel the same. <laughs> He, he's he is fine, but he's not good. He's he's okay. He's, <laughs> Blake Martinez is a secure tackler who is always around the ball, just a little bit too late. He is a average athlete. Yeah. He's he's a tackle machine. He leads the uh, NFL in, in tackles. tackles. Eighty three tackles. So he he gets into the backfield more than AJ did. He's better than AJ. That's but, true. But, but but I mean, the reason you ask this is he's he's easy to exploit if you can get him in coverage and if you get a body on him. You can block him most of the time. It's just a matter so, of the guys in front of him doing their job. The long, the long pass to Kelsey, that that everyone is pointing at as as Blake's fault. That can't be a linebacker's fault. It's not his. So it's never when that happens. It's never that guy's fault. It's the so fault it's, of the same. If you watch, yeah. if you guys watch the film, <laughs> uh, the the pre snap motion, it was like a double play action or some shenanigans like that. Basically, the safety's cleared out. Blake thought he had safety help and he didn't. That that good, that's good job happened. by Andy. And, yeah, and there it goes because uh, mm-hmm. Trevor Kelsey is going to win a matchup with every linebacker in the National Football League. Yeah, he's just a giant good receiver. He's what Gronk about Jr. Oren Burks? 
Oh, yeah. So we had a question from somebody, which I will fast forward. Is it Andy Schaff? It was not. Okay. Um, oh, crap. I just refreshed my screen on accident. Um, what the hell? That should bring up the same stuff that you had before, it but should. apparently I not. I don't know what, what, what happened. Okay. Um, which was, uh, I want to just get credit the person because the, the question is, how bad is Oren Burks? <laughs> um, and let's see. Uh, Tom Silverstein and Jim Ozarski on the on the Journal Sentinel Packers podcast talked about him a little bit, and and they wonder if his football because because yeah. he's a very smart guy intellectually. It's pretty clear that he's very very bright young man. Maybe the football instincts just aren't there. Yeah, so it was Archon fourteen, and um, I, I I kind of agree with that, and I think the answer is kind of bad. So the the dream with him has always been a lighter linebacker who can excel in coverage and play you know stand the field all the time. Even again, he's a big nickel guy, but he's a linebacker. And he's been on the team a while now. He was hurt for a while. He's healthy. He should have been on the field against several of the teams they played recently, especially when the Strut Packers have struggled against the run. Can't get on the field. So it's not a good sign when the team has a need that you should fill specifically and you're just not getting on the field anyway. That's bad. So he's probably not very good. Maybe he's still hurt more than we're let on. Um, But... uh, yeah, Oren Burks, not looking good. Uh, what about my guy, Tyler Lancaster, who's fumble recovery? <laughs> who, because I'm here for the big guys. Fumble recovery is one of the biggest plays in this game. It, it gets the Packers a chance to, uh, to add a possession. They get a touchdown out of it. Uh, it's so hard to evaluate the big guys, the run stoppers up front. You've just It's really hard. There's no stats. Sometimes they just kind of get swallowed up on film. You really have very little data to work with. But, uh, uh, but what do we know about this guy? Justice Mosqueda has a really good stat tracking for big guys up front. I do. And it's ta- uh, tackles within one yard of the line of scrimmage. All right. And I know Dean Lowry traditionally is very good at that. Yeah. He's um, having a great year. <laughs> point being, like, that's when they interact with ball carriers. So um, if they make a lot of them, then they're doing their job extra good. If they are not, then they're not. Um, so... I mean, that was that was a good play by Lancaster. Shady helped him out a little bit by not protecting. Shady and his stupid bread carries. He, he's not like good he's at holding a loaf of bread. He's not good at holding the ball. It's a shady problem. <laughs> it, it's a if you are a running back, you should work on that. Um, but yeah, but I mean, totally great play. Like maybe save the game. Um, it's entirely possible that game changes if that doesn't happen. So um, good, good on Lancaster for doing it, but. Perfect circumstances. You got a running back who holds the ball out. It gets punched out. Good for that. I have no idea how he's good, how he is other than that. I have not looked at Tyler Lancaster's tackles within one yard of the line of scrimmage. I mean, there are going to be a lot of people who watched that game and had not heard the name Tyler Lancaster. Yeah, that's true. He's very invisible most of the time. Um, it, you need those guys, though. Um, if those guys don't anchor the middle, then everybody else's job is way, way harder, especially Blake. Um, in fact, you know, Blake is a good barometer for how those guys are playing. Any Blake success should probably be credited to Tyler Lancaster. All right. <laughs> it's all connected. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, I've been touting that take for a couple years now that Blake's tackle numbers are a product of his stout defensive line. Yeah, well, I tweeted that Blake Martinez is the Mike Singletary of the Packers, and that was meant... Um, not really to praise Blake Martinez. No, that was meant as a shot at Bears fans for discrediting one of their legends. That's what you were doing. Uh, wow. Well, I see. I, not I, was, it. I was not alive in 85, so I can't tell so, you how but, good Singletary was. He was fine, but like the, the front line of the Bears was like the best ever, and they, they made Singletary's job super easy. Richard, Richard Dent is the, the straw that stirs the drink for the 85 <laughs> Bears. Um, also, 
I would like to point out uh, Tyler Lancaster looks almost exactly like Luke Combs. I don't know who Who's that is. Luke Combs. He's a country singer. I definitely don't know who that is. He looks he looks like Tyler Lancaster. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. We'll go with it. Sounds good. What does he sing? Does he sing anything we know? Uh yeah, um a Hurricane, uh Beer Never Broke My Heart, One mm. Number Away. Uh, when it rains, it pours. Nope, I got nothing. Speaking of numbers, yeah, let's do the numbers. <laughs> We're one number away. We're many numbers away. This one, this one is for you, Matt. This number, the number, the number is sixty-nine. What was the vocab word we learned earlier? Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ribald. 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 We're gonna turn this into a ribald thing. That is the number of snaps that uh, the offensive line, the the mainstays, had. Elton Jenkins. Uh, Billy Taylor, Corey Lindsley, of course, Aaron Rodgers as well. And number 69, that being David Bakhtiari, had 66, left for a minute, came back. That was pretty good. Only missed three so he snaps. Took a, it looked like he took a helmet to the hip. Yeah. And he just scary. had to shake it off. Yeah. That, that looks hurt. This is purely a roundabout way to ask about Alex Light, actually, because uh, we did see uh, Brian Bulaga miss quite a bit of time after he left with an injury, and Alex Light jumped in there. And it was uh, terrifying because this was at the end of the game. But this is this is when really you saw uh, Aaron Jones at his best when he yeah. was just again chewing away the final five plus minutes that were left in the game. But Alex Light is kind of the guy who fills in a tackle left or right if they need somebody. And I don't know if there's much confidence in what's going on there. I we couldn't tell because these were all running plays for the most part. But I don't know I mean, what you guys they, think. They ran behind Light a couple times and yeah. it wasn't awful. He so, was okay. Like, yeah. He was fine. Um, it's hard to judge the backup tackles because they're going to get beat sometimes. But um, we had a couple questions about him too. In how good is he? So he's better than Spriggs. That's a that's a good start. Um, most people are, but he is one of them. It's like a get in the door. <laughs> is he better? Is he a better swing tackle than Donald Wayne? Barclay I was just going to say third? he is also better than Don Barclay at tackle, which is <laughs> also right. a good start. That's, that's the second. like level two of Mario. Now we get to move on now to the real to stuff. Hard stuff. So I think he's okay. Um, I wouldn't want him starting and playing whole games. I think that he would start to get exposed pretty quickly. But if you're doing kind of situational football where you're trying to either kill clock or not necessarily score, but just have effective plays, um, you can handle that. He's 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 fine. Yeah, you could do worse than Alex Light. I think so. Before they actually had that last drive, he was getting pushed around a little bit on some other running plays. And I do think that's his big problem is he's he's not quite as stout as you might like him to be, but he moves pretty well. Um, he gets where he's supposed to be. Just the I think he's going to have trouble with power rushers if he has to go against anybody good. If he's playing against the 49ers in a couple of weeks, that's not good. You don't want that. Um, that That's bad. So, yeah, he's okay. Good. You could do a lot worse. Cool. Good Alex Light. What were the questions, or was that it? Like, is Alex there were, like there were two of them. One of them, they were basically just like, um, "Hey, he looked all right, better than Spriggs, right?" Yes, but he is. <laughs> Thank you. Correct. Yes. He is better than Spriggs. Can I? Okay, I was gonna. I, can I bring up my Madden franchise? No. Yes, of course you can. I'm super pumped. Quickly, Jason, Jason Spriggs got signed by the Arizona Cardinals after he was released by the Packers in my Madden franchise. Did he get signed by anybody in real life, IRL? I don't think so. I don't. Either. No, he, I'm he pretty sure not. he's gone. Um, but he is such a freak athlete that he actually was the third tight end on their depth chart. <laughs> it might have been a better fit for him. <laughs> he should right? have been a tight end. <laughs> what a word. Um And I did, I did throw two touchdown passes to him after um, my two of my tight ends were hurt. So, how All much right. time a day do you dedicate to Madden? Uh, usually, I just play a couple games after my wife and daughter go to bed. All right, they're like so, like like twenty five minutes maybe. All okay. Right. 
Next number, 466. That is the rushing yardage total for oh, Aaron yes. Jones this year. That ranks him 14th in the NFL, which is, you know, not that exciting. And so that's kind of my, my question is, <laughs> it's hard for us to tell because we're not in a national perspective. We only see the local stuff. But I wonder if the rest of the country knows who Aaron Jones is. Because we talked about how good he's become in the passing game, but he's like only third among running backs in, in passing yards. And uh, even though he's three yards behind James White, it's a nice spot to be in. But like, you don't look at running backs based on passing yardage. I don't know if the rest of the NFL recognizes what the Packers have in 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 Aaron Jones. I think he's probably pretty. And throw in the fact that his name is just Aaron Jones, <laughs> I think he's he, probably pretty anonymous. Didn't he win FedEx Ground Player of the Week against? The Cowboys. He yes, he did, okay. and maybe this may, this two week in a row performance might actually do it. But this is, he's definitely like a, a like a stat and combine like nerd, um, he, not he, whatever famous person. But the rest of the country definitely doesn't know who he is at all. Like I, I just know this from whenever I tout Aaron Jones and and Goober fans yell at me like, when was his last hundred yard game? When was um you know the Packers last thousand yard season? Like. Shut up. He's gonna, and he's not going to get a 100-yard games or a 1,000-yard season. Not consistently well, because no one does that anymore. Right. No, I agree. And if you That's do exactly have a running back like, that does it, it's bad for well, you. <laughs> when the Packers extended Devontae and he had never had a 1,000-yard season before. He had, he had a 997-yard season. <laughs> oh, man. Those first two years, people wanted Devontae Adams gone. Yeah, I was one of them. I he did. I honestly did. I'm, I'm, I was an idiot. He got so much better his third year. It was Good job by Devontae fixing his hands and kicking butt. Um, My dumb football brain actually was supporting that. I, I, I mean, I thought he was going to be good. I still believed that. I said it on a podcast. I was trying to find the audio the other day, but of course could not. So it, uh, it doesn't exist until I can prove it. But I really, uh, I, I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah, that's good. I was definitely wrong about Devontae. Um, but like, so, so just like in terms of efficiency stats, Jones has always been good. He's always been like a top five running back. It's just a matter of him not being on the field that much because Rodgers passed so much because the Packers didn't rely on the run that much and because he got hurt some. Um, but like now that he's got more volume, he is, again, like um, I brought up DVOA, he's sixth in DVOA right now running the ball. He's behind Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, and then there's Aaron Jones. That's running the ball. That's pretty good. He's ahead of Ingram, Jordan Howard, um, Jacobs on Oakland, who's also very good. Where's David Montgomery? I'm straining my oh, eyes. I don't uh, let me see just him. Scroll down here. Still scrolling. Still, yeah. Still scrolling. He's 25th. He's ne- he's 9.3 percent worse than average. <laughs> um, so he's sixth in in rushing DVOA, and then uh, based on that game mostly, um, he is now. Oh, I got to sort. It's sorted by DR. Live Excel sheets. Live Excel sheets. He's eighth in receiving for running backs. So sixth in rushing, eighth in receiving. That's what you got there. That's outstanding. And if you think like that makes him like Christian McCaffrey, well, you, you should know that Christian McCaffrey, I have to scroll down like David Montgomery here. <laughs> Still scrolling. Yeah. Uh, Still scrolling. Where is he? Oh, David Montgomery might be ahead of him. No, he's not that bad. I must have passed him on accident. Oh, he is actually ahead of him. Never mind. He, oh, no. That ruined the He had a good week. He's one ahead of him. They're almost tied. McCaffrey's seventh and Jones is eighth. So, yeah, McCaffrey did have a very good he had a, week. He had a really good week. He really did. Um, so, like, Jones is now, the, he's always been good at the running part. If he gets the receiving, he's like a, just an outstanding dual threat along the lines of your excellent modern running backs like McCaffrey and Kamara and Saquon to some extent, too, although he's too boom and bust. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like, he, he, he should be a household name, but he 
like the, the household people are still tied up in whatever the batting average of at the NFL, hundred yard games and four point five yards per carry and like you know fifteen touchdowns. If you don't do that, nobody's going to notice you. Good for us. Okay, so if if the major statistical accomplishments are batting average, what is on base percentage? Uh, it's uh, success rate uh, for running backs. You can look at it. The, uh, that's four yards, first down, touchdown? Yeah, it, uh, four yards, first down, touchdown. I think there is a way to get a successful run on second down. Um, but yeah, that's to, that's the short version. I thought I thought any time a rush is over four yards was considered a... It's four yards on first down, and actually that's a little short. It's like four and a half, to be precise. Okay. Um, and it is a first down after that. Um, so on second, third down, it's a first down. Okay. So, but yeah, the uh, Joe Thomas... Former Wisconsin Badger and left tackle for the. By the way, Aaron Browns. Jones first in success rate. Sixty percent of his go. runs are successful. But Joe Thomas is a big, big fan of that uh, rushing efficiency stat. Yeah. Third, third number, third last number, sixty-eight point four. That's the completion percentage for Russell Wilson. That is slightly better this year mm-hmm. than Aaron Rodgers. Wilson has more touchdowns, slightly. Better QB rating, somewhat slightly. More yards per <coughs> attempt, slightly. My point with this. I think Russell is probably still the MVP if the season ends today. I don't know because narrative obviously is a big, big part of the MVP thing. And I think Aaron Rodgers with the whole like reanimated new coach, Packers off the mat yeah. sort of thing is, is going to be a pretty good narrative. But as MVP goes, I still think Russell Wilson's got the edge right now. I agree with that. And I think that's probably deserved. He's had a really good season. Um, so n- not a big issue. Like Russell Wilson's great and he's having a good year. He's probably still slightly ahead and should be. But, you know, Rodgers has been closing that gap from week to week, too. Wilson's been pretty high up all season. We probably shouldn't discount um, Deshaun Watson, also, who's been outstanding. Um, And also, Mahomes might not miss that much time. And so there's that, too. Uh, A lot of this is is incumbent on him actually missing, like, four or five games instead of two. Um, But if if Rodgers keeps playing like he has the last two or three weeks, he'll win it. Like he just will. It won't matter. Um, that that's outstanding enough with his, you know, just name recognition track record. He'll get it. So Wilson's probably ahead, but not that mu- not enough uh, if Rodgers can keep it up. Yeah, that's. I mean, this is we, this is the part of the show where I go, uh huh, uh-huh. yep. yep. Good thought, Paul. I want to talk about the Chargers, but I think we should rifle through some questions first. Right. Uh, I like the first question. You uh, called. Uh, that's why it's first. Oh, very good. This is from Jason Albert. You called EPA a bad stat. We touched on this a little bit earlier. You called EPA a bad stat when talking about Ben Baldwin. Given that you reference it a lot, is it just that he uses it as an, in an individual context or something else? Uh, is this a second <laughs> question? Yeah, yeah. So, so right. like, give us a little the, bit of a sense. The second question is good too, so we should also do that. Okay, we will. Um, so, it's it is a, a team stat. So, um, a, a lot of people who use EPA skip a step in assigning it to quarterback because. It, it correlates with wins with offense, um, but like QB wins do too, and they're a bad stat. Now, EPA is a team stat; it tells you what the team did on any given play. Um, it's it, a lot of people are lazy about assigning credit. Um, QBR, ESPN's quarterback rating stat that is just trash, tries to divvy up EPA, um, giving some credit to quarterbacks based on criteria, some credit to running backs and receiver, or whatever. Um, but it's pretty clear that QBR is bad at doing that. Um, and so a bunch of people have I kind of decided just not to try. So 
you can you can assign EPA to quarterbacks for their passing plays, but there's a definite lack of context there. And um, what Ben likes to do is he has this graph you'll see at every game, which is EPA on the vertical axis and completion percentage over expected completion percentage on the lower on the horizontal axis. Now, there's already a bunch of issues with with that that lower axis, which is uh, how are you determining expected completion percentage? I'll tell you, it's based on depth of target. Um, and if you think about this already, that's going to vary widely based on the quality of receivers, especially deep receivers. Rogers um, is always actually very high on the EPA part of Ben's charts, if you look at it carefully, and low on the expected completion percentage part, that's probably has something to do with his receivers dropping passes, probably has something to do with him getting open less deep. Um, it is a, a fudgy way. It looks fancy. It's not that good. Um, it would be better if you just assigned raw EPA to guys, which makes Rodgers look better, which is why he doesn't do it. So it's a team stat. It's like RBI. RBI should be credited to the guy on base and the guy hitting the ball. RBI tells you what it tells you. It tells you a run was scored and this guy drove him in. It doesn't tell you that much about how good that guy is. EPA tells you that there's a bunch of guys involved in successful plays or unsuccessful plays. There's a lot of reasons that could be happening. Receivers can be hugely impactful. Offensive lines help. Running backs help. Coaching helps a lot. Obviously, we've seen that from... Um, last year to this year, um, it, it's frankly not that helpful. It diverges hugely from DVOA, which um, I think is a better... Um, oh, by the way, the other thing DVOA is super helpful is adjust for the strength of schedule. EPA doesn't do any of that. So when the Packers had played the Bears and the Vikings earlier this year, who have very good defenses, um, that wasn't accounted for at all. Um, so anyway, it, it, there's funny business with it. It's useful if you use it correctly, but even analytics guys don't use it correctly. They make too much of it for individuals. Um, I would ignore it for the most part if it's not talking about a team. So for the layman out there, yeah, Jr. I'll speak to you directly. Yeah, my eyes have glossed over. Sorry. No, it's the, fine. I was watching the, the amazing, the amazing pass to the corner of the end zone yes. to Aaron Jones. It was delightful to Jamal Williams. Still, Jamal Williams. Sorry, to, to Jamal Williams. Do you know what the expected completion percentage of that pass was? Oh, I do. I thought I saw four percent. Or 19 percent. 19%. 19%. 19%. That is a lie. There's no freaking way. Yep. I mean, they saw Jimmy Graham there. Maybe they thought, was the, was that the throw <laughs> to Jimmy Graham at that point? I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. yeah so that's the next gen stat thing. It's There's so much error compounding on error on those things. Yeah. That's but anyway, we've, we've glossed over Jam's well, okay. eyes. Let's move on. I, but is it can... possible that we are seeing it wrong? Like, it looks impressive. There's so, something different between the eye test and what the actual. Here, uh, okay, real, I'll make this less boring and real quick. So I agree with you. Like, if you have an advanced stat like that, it should be able to give you some surprising results, and you should be able to explain them with the stat. Um, here, here's the problem with what EPA has so far. So um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit here, and I'm gonna use QBR, which relies heavily on EPA. Um, last year, it had Mitch Trubisky as its third overall quarterback, and Ben Roethlisberger as its fourth overall quarterback. Um, a lot of that was based on running. Uh, we mentioned a lot, er, we mentioned earlier Trubisky did a lot of running last year. He had 29 first downs on on foot. Um, Roethlisberger not as fast, you know, big slow guy, but he threw way more passes. Um, if you looked at their splits efficiently, Roethlisberger threw 241 more passes than Mitch Trubisky did, and he was more efficient on all of them. Mitch Trubisky ran something like 40 times more than Roethlisberger. Um, 
less efficiently than Roethlisberger runs. Roethlisberger didn't run often, but he was good when he did. So Trubisky was ahead of him, even though the only mm. thing he did better than Roethlisberger, better in quotes, was run more, less well. Um, hmm. That's, I think, a sign um, of a broken stat. It doesn't yeah. explain adequately why it had Trubisky higher. That's a surprising result, but it doesn't make any sense. And you get a lot of that with EPA. The, the whole Garoppolo and Rodgers being similar thing. Like, Garoppolo has seven interceptions. Rodgers has two. Garoppolo's played one fewer game. He's thrown fewer passes. He completes shorter passes. If you can't tell me why he's close to Rodgers um, using some aspect of quarterbacking, uh, then your stat isn't being surprising. It's just being wrong. Did it factor in, though, that Mitch Trubisky was kneeling on first down, second down, and third down? <laughs> To set up a 41-yard field goal. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because I feel like that's part of the equation. It actually takes out Neil Downs. Oh, very good. Jason Alberts. Oh, sorry. Uh, Last, last, to to bring it back, I'm going to quote something from 1907. Uh, Mark Twain's chapters from my autobiography. He said, figures often beguile me, particularly when I have been arranging of them myself. Ah, indeed. <laughs> okay. So Albert's second question is good too. So let's do that real quick. The Packers no. are currently six and one and four and one in one score games. Yes. Since teams usually win one score games half the time. Yep. In other words, no one's actually good at it. Yep. Is there a concern for a regression to the mean? And yes, there is. No. Um, no, there really is. So uh, it, this is my favorite Justice Mosqueda thing. Who um, every year he writes a column at the beginning of the season and he says. Yeah, this is true all the time. Um, it is absolutely true. Every team in the NFL wins over the long haul 50% of their one-score games. The only exception that's ever happened, and you could maybe make this case for the Packers, by the way, is Peyton Manning's Colts teams. Um, they're the only ones that were able to repeat success in one-score games from season to season. Everyone else has always failed at it. Uh, one of the teams this year that he pegged for a huge regression was the Steelers. Uh, yes, they've had injuries just destroy them as well, but um, I forget who the other one was. i got to look that up. Um, in any case, yeah, it's cause for concern because if you just think back on the, Packer games, the Packers one-score games that they've had, there's been kind of a lot of luck involved in them. Um, for sure. Penalties. Um, I mean, the, the shady fumble, kind of lucky. Fumble recoveries are always lucky. Um, that was a one-score game. That Hence, the face penalty, of course, went the other way, which was also unlucky. But... Um, yeah, um, it, it it would not not be surprising to see them come back to earth a little bit in the second half, just in terms of not getting those those breaks in close games. It would, it would also, by the way, be nice to see them actually blow a few more people out because the real mark of a true good team is one that blows people out every once in a while, and they've had too many one score games for my taste. Um, so yeah, it's a concern. And if they on the, on the other side, they have such a huge lead, even if they do regress to a five hundred team over the second half, yeah. doesn't matter. That's good enough. So. It's all right. But yes, it's a concern. You obviously have the Lions penalties. That I mean, they may have won that game anyway, but that's certainly yep. something that sticks out. Now, they could have won the Eagles game, the one loss there. It feels like a game they probably should have won. The Bears game was one long pass play away from being a totally different game. So yeah, there's, all there's, true. A lot, there's a lot of luck in there. This one, uh, this question does not have a name associated with it. Which game is, uh, it's a great question. Which game is harder to analyze analytically, MLB or NFL, and why? And when using those analytical tools to predict which sport is more gratifying to get right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't have the name in there. My oh. initial thought that was you would answer this with baseball yep. because 
baseball uh, that, that I'm sorry that you would say baseball is easier to predict because baseball is purely outcome based and you don't have to factor in a, you don't it's would seem to me there are fewer variables. I also think there's just a wider array of I mean it seems I mean I mean baseball is just so freaking unpredictable. You're going to get Hernan Perez hitting a walk-off home run occasionally <laughs> yep. and there's no stats uh, that can prepare you for that. It's Jason Albert again. <laughs> that was Jason again. Oh, man. We, this is the Jason Albert podcast. All right. Um, so uh, baseball is just, we know more about baseball than football. We have bigger sample sizes. We're better at analyzing it. Um, it's hard to predict the outcome of any sport. And if you're looking at like a gambling perspective, um, you know, they, they, they've put in point spreads to make this hard for you specifically. So um, we're, we're pretty good at predicting who's likely to win and who's not. Football's harder. Football is harder to quantify. Um, it's, it, to the extent you can predict the more, it's because there are some teams that are just way better than some other teams. There's more outright tanking on baseball has its fair share of that too. Um, but, but we we understand baseball better. Um, uh, I don't really think you can you can say that these are going to be predictive on a game to game basis. But I also think in baseball we are better at predicting year to year who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. Like I do think like Picota is pretty good at that in the overall sense. Um, other projection systems also pretty good at it. Um, like baseball had, uh, Picota had the Cubs being not that good this year. Turned out to be true. Turned out to be very prescient on their bullpen, actually. So um, it is baseball. And by the way, um, there's a book called Trading Bases by Joe Pita, who's a Wall Street trader. I don't know how well it holds up, but he actually um, spent a year wagering on baseball, coming up with a system. Um, it's all detailed in the book. You can't copy it. It's very difficult. Uh, <laughs> but um, based on Pakoda versus um, Vegas splits and walking around Vegas with cash, it's, it's a good read. I, I would recommend it. Um, it goes into a lot of like how, how this could impact your analysis of it. But football's way harder. It's so random. Like Just random turnovers can turn anything around. So um, yeah, it's baseball. No question. Not even close. So you're, you're saying baseball is baseball's easy. easier. Yeah, baseball yeah. is easier. Jonathan Deal asks, is beer chugging still a valid method of judging quarterback skill? <laughs> what do you think, guys? Well, I think that Rodgers was doing a bit. He was. And it went poorly. And then he <laughs> just rode the wave of press. But he was trying to make a joke. that he. I, he, I think, he, I think he could actually slam a beer if he wanted to. Well... Maybe, maybe not. Who I knows? don't know. I uh, the other thing too is there's no way he can keep up with Bakhtiari. What he does yeah. is magic. It is magic. So two I, seconds. I could see him being like, "Forget all of this. I'm going to pretend like I can't drink it anything." <laughs> Talk about scotch afterwards. Uh, but uh, but yes, that bit was not received as a bit, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but but yeah, no, still, there's no way he could do it. Bakhtiari. It's still valid. No, he. There's no way he could do Bakhtiari. Well, so that would mean Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Yes. In that, in that sense. In the yes. chugging sense, yeah. Also, in the uh, Baker Mayfield is better than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's correct. Chris Sinclair asks, do you look past the you don't pay running backs big money, in quotes there, <laughs> when, when you can split them out as a receiver? I mean, you've said this before, that if they are good receivers, that is that is a value on a running back. It's not not line dependent in that in that case. Yeah, uh, a lot of stat nerds disagree with me on this, too. They say 30 running backs, not, or 30 receivers, not running backs. I disagree with that. So, um... I still don't think you really have to pay for them. Um, that's that's the thing. If you if you have a good one who can do both, it's probably worth it. But they're kind of few and far between. Like even your Christian McCaffrey's of the world um, are not always super efficient at running the ball. And what the Patriots have shown is you can kind of just find guys to do either running or passing pretty cheaply. They're so weird. Like 
The Patriots do everything right, but the one weird thing they do is actually spend on running backs that they don't use very much. Like, Sonny Michel was a first-round pick, and, like, they have guys, they've gotten guys just like him off the scrap heap over and over and over again. But uh, I still don't think it's worth paying for them. However, it's hard to argue that they're not valuable. Like, if we didn't have Jones' receiving skills last game, and it's not like Williams could have plunked it, Williams is not going to catch bombs down the field, um, so that's not something that's replaceable easily. Um, I, I, they would have lost. So um, I do think there's a new wave of guys who can do that, who can really like exploit people down the field for big gains, and those guys are probably worth paying for. So um, yeah, I changed my tune a little bit. I've always kind of been against just like the the power three down back type more than the like offensive weapon, generally speaking. So. Those guys are definitely more valuable. I would shell out more money for the Aaron Jones performance. Jay Google asks, how do we fix punt return and kick return? Packers are going to try with uh, Tremont Smith. You, know, you cut Darius Shepard. Chain and Sullivan. Yeah. Um, trade deadline is passed as of this recording, but they could have maybe gotten Trevor Davis from the Raiders? That would have been Yeah, but they could, they could still fire Meninga. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how good your, your return man is if... Yeah. The blocking is garbage. That is true. Um, uh, there, uh, I think Shepard was a big part of it, though, because they were doing those squib kicks once he went in. When Davis was back there, they weren't doing that. Um, they were kicking it through the end zone. So, um, Have a guy who's a, enough of a threat that they kick it through the end zone, but don't pay so much money that you waste salary cap space on a guy who can return. And uh, I mean, The NFL is going to get rid of these pretty soon anyway, so uh, who cares? <laughs> So the answer Football. is wait around for wait, it to go away. Yeah, just wait for the problem to go. Yeah. At, as the, as in all things in life, just wait till the problem goes away and don't do anything. Football will no longer have feet soon enough. It'll just be ball. <laughs> <laughs> the the NBL. So with the trade deadline approaching, this question is from Jerry Eldred. Oh wait wait wait. No, this doesn't matter anymore because, well, there were a couple of questions about the trade deadline. I guess the, the good question is they didn't obviously trade for anybody. Do you feel like that's going to work for them? I, mean, I think we talked last week that this receiving core can get away with it, but it does feel like <laughs> they could have added somebody yeah. somewhere. Uh, I know that, that somebody in the questions posed Robbie Anderson. I would have been pro that. but um, Yeah, he throws out Tyler Eifert here, which uh, would have yeah. been interesting. But, but uh, you know, a lineman or a linebacker, like anything to su- supplement what they have going on, not a linebacker, but a lineman, the secondary, a receiver. There's a lot of places they could have added. Here. I'm always surprised at the NFL trade deadline that the, the garbage teams aren't more willing to sell. Um, I mean, the Dolphins were buyers. It was bizarre. That was so... That, that was bizarre that they're they're weird that that was just like a salary cap and get a yeah. later so, deal right yeah like, the uh um the rams saved eight million getting rid of talib so okay that's hurt fine. anyway right yeah but but like it, it they should have gotten they, they should have shored up the team a little bit the nfl is just weird with your ability to do that like it seems like the sellers are never willing to sell for what's reasonable and um, it, nobody can ever come to deals. It, it's it's dumb. They, they'd still need help at receiver. They could. I mean, we just discussed Oren Burks, who appears to be bad. That position's not great. Like they could use another linebacker slash big nickel, and those guys are not that expensive to come by. They're not dime a dozen, but usually teams have a few extra ones. The Packers just aren't one of those teams. 
So, yeah, they should have shored up some positions. It's nice that the receivers have looked good lately. It's nice that the scheme gets them open. That's not going to be true forever. They're going to run into good defenses again, and it would be nice to have another playmaker to actually put some pressure on them. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. the NFL trade deadline sucks. They should do something to make it better and more active. Every stupid year, same thing. Um, I still think that the uh, Packers should have gone after Dayon Buchanan after he got cut. I think he would have been a, a very good, stout addition to the coverage linebacking core. Yeah, I would have been. That would have been fine. That's a good, good fit for what they're missing. I agree. Sam Clender asks if you could take any Packers player from the Rodgers era, such as 2009 Charles Woodson, and put him on this team. I would take him. Who would you choose? 2009, 2009. Charles Woodson. I would yeah. take two, yes. There's no question. You take the defensive player of the year and you put him on this team. Yeah, I th- and he's exactly what they need, right? Yes, you, he, fits he fits perfectly. He does exactly what they need. He, he plays the exact position of need and is the best player to ever play it. So, yes, Charles Woodson is the answer. <laughs> Sam answered his own question. He yep. just didn't know it. All right. Charles Woodson is the best defensive back to ever play the game at me all day. Okay. Uh, Ed Reed? Is he better than Ed Reed? Yeah, he is. Yes. Because Ed Reed he's is a, a safety. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you, you sorry. I'm, when you say no, defensive I'm saying, backs. I'm saying... I'm saying best all-around defensive back. So you're saying better than Ed Reed? I'm saying he's better than Ed Reed. He's not the... the... I say safeties can't be in the conversation. Okay, and I think that's fair. (laughs) I mean, they do completely different things, so that is fair. They they did different things, however... uh, Rod Woodson would be in there. I I think Charles Woodson played safety better than Ed Reed would play corner. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably true. That's probably uh, fair. Uh, like, I think you're, you're looking at like Dion in the conversation, and he obviously was a bad tackler, but he dominated games unlike any other right. cornerback. So that's. I think I think the three has got to be Woodson, Dion, and Ronnie Lott. Those are usually the three that people bring up. I feel like Ronnie Lott wouldn't have worked today. I agree. He he, he concussed too many people. He punched a lot of people in the mouth. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually I I would probably put Rivas up there. I'm just not sure yeah. he did it long enough. But yeah, he, he was a very short. I think he was as good as Dion was for the time he was good. I mean, he's that would be like uh, uh, TD, right? Like the, he's a Terrell Davis. Like he was amazing yeah. for four years and then the fell off pretty hard. Of yep. Rivas Island. Ryan Ziegler asks, should all national broadcasts require a picture-in-picture box for a key person on the sidelines? This, of course, a reference to the 40-some camera shots of Patrick Mahomes <laughs> standing on the sideline. and his... it, was like a, it was like a freaking YouTube video. It where, was like, weird. The Madden YouTubers in the corner the whole time. It was like, weird. Just, just put Mahomes there. It, it was it was a, it was a it was overkill. Much. Like you don't need to do that. There's a football game going on. I mean, I w- I would totally get I, if it's Aaron Rodgers, it's the same thing. You know, it's not like a team dependent thing. I yeah. I mean, this Patrick isn't Mahomes a, is one of the three best. This is not rec- a complaint specifically about focusing on Patrick Mahomes, but like th- that's that's just too much of a guy who's not playing, standing on the sidelines, looking around. It's not interesting. <laughs> do you think he knew? Do you think Mahomes knew that he was on TV like most of the game? I doubt it. By halftime, he had to have known. Uh, Someone's going to let him know. <laughs> He's probably getting texts. <laughs> like, hey, you're on TV a lot. Yeah, and I, be- I wonder if those guys have if they're not going if they're not active. Like, could he have a cell phone on the sideline? I don't think you're allowed a cell yeah, phone. On the side. probably not. But when you go I to mean, the locker room, they check their phones. I'm sure they. We're do. we're talking about a league where if one side's headsets goes out, the other team can't use their headsets. That's right. True. True. That's weird. That's very anachronistic. <laughs> um, real quick sidebar on just sideline coverage in general because i feel like sideline reporting this is separate from what we're talking about with patrick Mahomes. i feel like sideline reporting as an art is pretty much frowned upon and ridiculed and and it always ends up being no information whatsoever and Correct. lots of just 
you know, just flotsam, uh, like two second hits that have a greater chance of being some sort of memeable or problematic interaction between the coach and the sideline reporter. Why do we still have sideline reporting? Because this is not a new thing. It has always been kind of just non-essential. Why do we still have it all these years later? What are we doing with it? Um, I so I think just generally, there's just not a lot of innovation in in broadcasting um, games. You get it once in a while. You get like the stat cast once in a while, or the yeah. former player cast once in a while. But I think to some extent, just like we've always had it, so we're going to keep doing it. And this is just how it's done, and that that's really it. There's just I mean, there's still not that many people who call football games. So there's not a big huge turnover sure. in, in how it happens um and so that might change like there's a bunch of people now who do their own broadcasts of the game um some some of our apc competitors i know that there's some football writers that i see that there's an app that lets you call a game live um i can't believe the nfl hasn't shut it down yet but uh Ooh. that that might uh that might change things going forward but I, it's an anachronism. You're right. You don't get any information from it. You get five seconds of coach speak or something embarrassing or sexual harassment. So yeah, um, it, it is a way to be more inclusive because typically, uh, you know, so typically you see women on sideline reporters. It is a way to be more inclusive. It's just <laughs> it's just like super uneven though. There I are mean, better get, ways to be more oh, inclusive. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I wonder if that's what networks are thinking. Oh, this is a way to get a woman that's, on the broadcast. That is a very because they're afraid of putting a woman in the booth. True and cynical way of looking at yeah. it. That's that's exactly how I'm going to oh, look yeah. at it. What's, the, what's your name that does the college football in the booth? Oh, I don't know. I'm I don't know anybody's names that calls games. I'm bad at that, and anyway, I watch that much college there's football. There's a female. There's a female in the booth <clears throat> in college, and she's actually pretty good. Uh, I feel like there, uh, is her first name Beth. Beth Maines. Beth? She's she's a rock star. I, I I shouldn't be answering but, this question because I, mean, I don't I'm not know. the person to talk about college Elizabeth M- Moens. Elizabeth Moen. That's okay, it. So I'm mixing their yeah. names together. Not Mains, Moens. These yeah, and, and they're He's great, and they're fine. Like you get used to it. it. I know that there's some fear that the voice is jarring, having a female, a feminine voice. You get used to it, and they're 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 good. They know their stuff, and play by play does not require you. Even I mean, not to say that that you would not have a woman who is a football aficionado, but you don't need to be to be a play-by-play announcer. Most play-by-play announcers are morons. That's true. Uh, I, I'm sure 90 percent of the females they would females the women they would consider to do this would be smarter than the male counterparts yes. that they have there. Um, and you're right. Like it takes uh, if you have a problem with the voice at all. First of all, that, that's weird. You I assume all of you talk to women all of the time. Yeah. Um, First of all, I, I don't. I, I actually watch most games on mute because I think most announcers suck. And um, would I would love anybody else to get a chance? Like, think of all the terrible it's men announcers who have called games in, in our time. And it's like, just all memeable, ridiculous like, stuff. Joe, Joe Theismann used to call football games. <laughs> he tried. He was awful at it. He didn't know what he was talking. I mean, he was a quarterback. He obviously played football. He was just awful um there chris myers whom i really like yeah is so bad at this there are a ton of guys who have these as legacy jobs because their brothers do it like marv albert's brother um because um their dads did it like joe buck um it's it, it is a big huge frat boy nepotism um bunch of people and it's ridiculous that that more women don't have jobs there so. yeah i agree I, hopefully, in the next decade, we'll finally see some progress on that front. But if anyone is ever worried that a woman might do a worse job than a current announcer, <laughs> go back and watch the broadcast footage of the helmet catch. 
Oh, the 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 uh, Giants game. Super Bowl? Giants, Giants Super Bowl, the helmet catch. Okay. Joe Buck called that game, and it's one of the worst calls I've ever heard on one of the best calls or best plays ever. <laughs> oh, man. It's literally Manning is sacked. No, no, he gets away. He throws, and Tyree has it first down. That's like Chip Carey in the uh, the playoffs calling a game. Um, I, 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 I broke into baseball, sorry. The, uh, it's, I, I'm going to put a link to it in, in the, uh, the podcast page because it's the worst call I've ever heard, and Chip Carey is obviously calling games for one very specific reason, which is his last name. Yes, he had a dad, a famous dad. I actually, I like Joe Buck fine. I think he's fine. Yes, but there are gave so us the many, meme, so it's fine. There but are I so think. many announcers that aren't good, but that doesn't seem to bother. That doesn't seem to bother network people. But you know, God forbid, have a woman in there and the you know on the broadcast. Yeah. That's that's where we draw the line. Apparently, I think Joe Buck has gotten better in the last ten years. But like, if you do a job every week for ten years, you should get better yeah. at it. I, I think of him a little bit now, like Pat Summerall. How it seemed like he was a little bit checked out, yeah, a little yeah, bit through I think the. That's fair. Just going through the motions, but still fine, solid. I know what's going on. Hmm? I also don't like need the announcers to know what's going on. I have the pictures, so yeah. <laughs> it's good for TV, I guess. When you don't need, you, there's a baseline. You just don't need to. Just, don't need to cross. I just wish that Chris Collinsworth, ever since he bought Pro Football Focus, would just shut the hell up. <laughs> bought Pro Football Focus. He does. Oh, he he really. It, it, <laughs> It's weird, right? Like it's a it's a conflict of interest. It's, it's totally it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's so it's weird. He can do it. Like it, it. Who else gets to just like come on and pimp their own product for an entire broadcast? Like it's it's very strange that that is allowed to happen. Well, baseball had this issue with Jessica Mendoza being a, a, a consultant right. in the booth, and That's Alex true. Rodriguez was being a, was a consultant. So I, I think those lines are blurring a little bit in general. Even I think across media, those lines are blurring. But yeah. still, it's, a, it's something that you think about during the broadcast. Like, do you hope you reference PFF again? Funny. Imagine, <laughs> imagine why. You know, that's interesting. Why, why don't he, you know, he probably like, you know, is a, is a spokesman for, you know, I don't know, a local local car dealership or something. I'm surprised yeah. we don't hear that mentioned. You know, why not, why not other product pitches while we're at it? Very strange. <laughs> All right. We are long. We should get out. Yeah, let's get out of here. It's, it's late. People are so bored with us. Yeah. They've lost total interest. <laughs> if, if anyone made it to this point after Paul talked about advanced analytics for like three, <laughs> three straight minutes, minutes. God bless I all totally of you people, the, the five moment. of you that are left. Um, <laughs> the Chargers. If you, if you made it to this point in the podcast, make sure to at me and say, I believe in reporting is eligible. <laughs> no, one else, no one else will understand. It's, it's, it's going to be very like sad when you get none. <laughs> when there's people. zero. So at call me Matub, yeah. I believe in reporting is eligible. You can even abbreviate it to RAE and we'll yep. see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, the Chargers, they have their own Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. They are going to be hosting the Packers. It will nonetheless be a Packers home game because it will be primarily Packers fans in the stands. No one goes to Chargers games. Nope. They're going to make a lot of money on Packers fans. That's why they didn't want to go to London. The Packers should win, but again, they're interesting. I yeah. don't know. I don't know what to make of them. I think they'll win, but the Chargers are a dumb, stupid team that is talented enough to jump up and get you every once in a while. You just got to hope you avoid it. So, yep. Melvin uh, Gordon, Derek Watt, two Wisconsin connections. Yep. Um, Melvin Gordon has actively hurt the Chargers this year by <laughs> um, they were great when they had Eckler playing running back, and he came back and they plugged him in, and he was bad. Uh, and uh, he is not making himself money. No, he's not. He's losing himself money. That's bad holdout. Um, and Austin Eckler. Uh, the more time he plays, the better they are. So, um, hope for a lot of Melvin Gordon. I love Melvin Gordon. He's a great Badger, but uh, he's not as good as his backup running back is. So, um, they should win, though. And anyway, Matt, think they'll win. Think they'll lose. I 
yeah, I'll, I'll take a win. All right, sweet. Usually this is the point where I, I pull out the Vegas odds, but I forgot to look those up. They're favored. I don't know by how much. I think it's going to be ugly. I'm a little worried about this game. I'm but little, I'm worried about all of them, so what do I know? Yeah, I'm a little worried, but I'm picking them to win this one. I picked them to lose last week. They they quelled my fears a little bit. Yeah, that was a good game. Yeah. That was a good time. Excellent. All right, any plugs quick? Uh, I am going to, I think, I don't know if I don't, shouldn't plug this because I don't know for sure, but uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go back in time and take a look at the origin of the ball and glove logo. There was some buzz. Ooh, cool. Some, I think, pretty, pretty decent buzz that uh, the Brewers are going to go back to that ball and glove logo as their primary yeah. logo, do away with some of the stuff we've seen over the last couple decades. So uh, kind of wanted to go back in time and uh, and revisit that. Very cool story. Most people know it. It was a, stu- a student by the name of Tom Mindell, Thomas Mindell, uh, University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire, who drew that first draw drawing made 2000 bucks and that's it to uh, give this logo to the Milwaukee Brewers it became subsequently one of the more beloved iconic logos certainly in Wisconsin sports if not you yep. know baseball at large so i kind of want to go into that a little bit i was going to do some uh some number crunching looking at uh, the Jack Cohn Graham Mertz thing everybody's calling for Graham Mertz to be <laughs> <laughs> he would have gotten annihilated in that game yeah yeah and that's kind of the point so i'm looking at other freshman quarterbacks around the uh, true freshman quarterbacks around football to kind of point out, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses for, for true freshman no, quarterbacks, no. but, uh, but, uh, that might, that might be on the site, jsonline.com on, uh, Wednesday morning. Nice. Shepard Express. I have my, um, recap of the Kansas city game, uh, up now looked at Aaron Jones performance specifically, um, and just Matt LaFleur's excellent game calling too. So, um, check that out. I might have a piece up for APC later this week though. It is a busy week. So I also might not, um, start back in earnest next week after I've, cleared up some uh, some real life work um, but shepherd express is out there now and we'll have the mini pod in a couple of days here so matt anything and follow me on twitter i've been on a pretty good meme tear lately <laughs> I, I used a uh, chuck norris sniper meme that, recently that was good um that guy went down like a sack of i don't know something like a bag, of hammers. bag of hammers <laughs> Um, and also, uh, the Vegas spread right now is Packers by three with 73% betting on the Packers to, uh, win outright. All right. Sweet. So, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this point. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. I believe. In the middle of the night